Welcome, welcome everyone. Uh, we are Let's Talk About Race. Uh, I am Diane Wong. I am here with my co-host tonight. Uh, Saunders. That's Beryl Saunders. And we are, um, we've got a really important program tonight and an excellent guest. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to bring her so that everybody can um, can hear some the ideas that she has. These are these are important ideas. Um, Michelle Jenkins. So before I get started, Michelle, can I ask you to self-identify on our Let's Talk About Race program? How do you self-identify racially, ethnically? I identify myself as a woman of African descent. And I happen to be living in the United States of America. <laughs> okay, that's good. We always, we always like to hear clarity. That always helps us. So Michelle is the author of uh, an important book that's coming out on September 15th. So mark that on your calendar, September 15th this year. Uh, the name of uh, the acronym is M-O-B-B, and that stands for Mothers of Black Boys. Uh, and the subheading of that is, um, can you tell, oh, um, Unleashing the Brilliance of Boys of Color. So Michelle, can I ask you to introduce yourself more than that? What would you like to say? Yeah, you know, there's a whole lot I could say about me, but I'll keep it very, very brief. Yeah, I will. I have been involved with personal development for 41 years, and it's been, you know, I've been involved more than I've been living, and it's my life. It's I contribute and make a difference, and, you know, for many years, I've made a difference for individuals that became newsworthy and really achieved, you know, high goals for themselves, and what was missing for me is really impacting my passion, the area where I'm passionate about, and that's what Boys of color. I happen to have one. So tell us about about uh, your boy of color. How, yeah. old, how old is he? Yeah, my son Nick is 42 years old. He's an executive with a um, Fortune 500 company. And um, he's amazing. He's a brilliant young man. You know, and um, I got this book actually got started based on a miracle that happened. He calls me up one day and he says, mom, my boss wants to call, wants to talk to you. And he wants to talk to you about writing an uh, article in our newsletter about me. And he said, um, you know, he was impressed that I'm motivational. And he said, you know, I'd like to talk to your mom to find out like, how did you turn out the way you turned out? Like he wanted the backstory from me. So he calls me up and him and I get connected. We get related. I share stories about Nick when he was younger, things that happened. And he said to me that he has not had anybody in his company producing the results and being the kind of person that my son is for the company. And he said he had a, a one particular customer that was like livid about a particular situation. And she wanted to speak to the owner of the company. And we all know that's the last thing we want to do is have a customer talk to the owner of a company. And he said he knew exactly what to do. He said I had to call Nick. So he calls my son. Nick goes into this environment with the customer, has a conversation and handles it. And he said the customer called back and said, 
I want to thank you. You know, the gentleman that you sent was extraordinary. This matter's handled, and I'm declaring it complete. And he said he knew who he had to send. Like, Nick was the guy. He even said, you know, when he walks into a room, the environment changes. He said, you know, we may have difficult people working for the company, and Nick will run a meeting, but the minute Nick walks in, everybody's great. Everybody's, like, tentative, listening. And, you know, just so he's, he was impressed with my son. And he said, what I'd like to do is to set up another call and have the um, author or writer, I should say, of our newsletter, along with another staff member to, you know, get the backstory so we can write this, uh, you know, article in, this, in the newsletter. So he says to me, well, I'm going to have him call you. And at that point, being a proud mother, I, you know, I mean, you can only imagine, you know, someone wants to write a story about your son based on his life. I posted it on a, a site, a page on Facebook, and it went viral in a matter of minutes. Like literally 4,000 women reached out to me and said, are you, uh, do you have a blog? I, I mean, I'm in tears right now. Like I see hope and possibility. You know, do you have a book? And at that point I, I had nothing in writing, but you know, this, the, that process was a full circle because in the moment of me getting connected with these women that way, you know, with them reaching out to me, I knew exactly what I was to do. Like, and I had, you know, contemplated coaching around marriages and contemplated coaching around family, you know, connections, because I do so much with my family, family reunions and the whole nine yards. But when that happened, I got emotional because for me, it was obvious. It was obvious what there is for me to do. You know, so after the post, I began to write and I had previously set up my set up participating in a conference for global transformation. And I got to be in this conference two days after the post, right after the post, I was introduced to a publisher and an author, world renowned author. And I got together with him and began to write. And he presented a challenge to me, you know, in writing to actually promote this book before I wrote it. And to actually have people buy the book and have a signed copy for the book. And my thought, I said, wait, I said, you're saying promote a book that I haven't written yet? And he said, that's exactly what I'm saying. Wow. So I wrote the book. And so I, I you know, posted. And I had over 80 people purchase a copy within 48 hours. And, you know, I'm sharing this just to share the drive and the determination, you know, inside of what I'm speaking to with young boys of color, like what's available for them and what I have to offer to them. You know, I could go on and on with like stories of what happened with the, the posting of that book. But right now, you know, I have a commitment to have the book, like you said, you know, launched and, and you know, available, published by the 15th of September. You, you know, know that's, I, I, I must say that um, because you and I have talked not a lot, but we talked before. And one of the things that I wanted to know was how old is your son? And so I just asked you that and I might have shocked. And, and you know, it's pretty amazing because he's 42. So that means you have a whole lifetime. So, so you're not looking at a nine-year-old where you surmise that you might do certain things. You're looking at someone where you've already done, you've, you've had a process in place and then you see that the process, how it has developed is as my 
son tells me all the time, as the, as the branch is bent, so grows the tree. So, so tell us, I want you to tell as much as you can in this hour, but I really want to hear what is the process. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. so if we go back to the nine-year-old or the eight-year-old or the seven-year-old, right now, it, so we, we're looking at those age groups. And we're also looking at boys, you and I talked a little bit about the gun violence. And then, uh, it, you know, I know with Pharaoh uh, teaching that we were looking at kids having lost two years of school and uh, and and a lot of not all of all kids, but a, some of them, a lot of them, have just lost two years. So, what process do you want to jump in with? Yeah, you know, it all starts early on. You know, it's not possible to work with a young male at a teen years. You know, it's 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 late, very very late. But I say start in kindergarten. That's what I did. You know, I was having conversations with my son in kindergarten about being responsible. He knew about being responsible for his life, you know and, you know, and as he got older, I would have him make choices. He'd ask a question and I'd ask him a question. You know, everything wasn't given. It was an opportunity for him to develop himself and to really think for himself. And he did that very early on. You know, I had a situation when he was um, a teenager and he wanted to purchase, he wanted to, you know, buy a car. They all want cars, right? And I put together a contract and I put together a contract so that the consequences were already in place. So he had this contract where he basically had the, the background of, of everything that there was to be responsible for. And you know, I, I wanted to read this little, just clip from my book about that contract. Yes. So us women of color know more than any other mom, the uncertainty, insecurity, fear, and concern with regard to our boys being out on the streets or out in the world. It not only takes us having conversations to uplift them, but sharing the unsurmountable possibility of consequences of one's actions, which are critical conversations to keep in place. What I instilled in Nick in his early years was clarity regarding consequences. I recall him getting his license at 16 years old. That was the case in Virginia. Like most parents, I had every possible scenario that could go wrong, make its way in my head. Just wanting him to be safe. He and I discussed his curfew, but what I did was put together a contract for him regarding usage, upkeep, maintenance of his vehicle, and the contract spelled out everything that was possibly possible. For instance, he knew not to have strangers in his car, no paraphernalia, agreement to pay a very small portion of his auto insurance, doing his chores, bathing Chichi, our chihuahua, maintaining a particular GPA, and the list went on. As he looked it over, he wasn't excited at all to sign it. This was 1993. I was a paralegal in the law firm and one day as I was sitting in my uh, office, Nick walked into the office to speak to one of the attorneys that I worked with about the contract. <laughs> he wanted guidance on whether or not to sign it. And the attorney took a look at the contract and jokingly said, do not sign it. <laughs> and he gave him you know, a little bit of feedback. 
Oh, and by the way, he did sign the contract. You know, like having a conversation about consequences up front, it'll make the biggest difference. And I mean conversations, not dictating. For example, he knew that if he came past, he came in past the curfew, he would walk in, hand me the keys, and just walk to his room. There's no dialogue necessary. He had already agreed to the terms. This, I say, totally set him up for his future. He is currently known in his company as one of the most reliable executives. And as I write this, this company is doing a story about him that I just actually got yesterday in the mail because of who he is. This, you know, and mention in the conversation of why not have him be the VIP of the company? Like it's gotten to that point. And, you know, you pray that the fruits of your labor will be impacted. And my journey you know, in providing Nick with what would be in his best interest was the most important thing for me. You know, it wasn't always the easiest, but it was the most important. So that's uh, a little clip from my, one of my chapters in the book, you know, and I, you know, say to you, Pharaoh, like you're working with those young boys. This is something to really like begin to like have them get present to like consequences and, you know, putting, conversations in place and maybe even some kind of fun contract. What's that like for you working with these young males? Uh, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> it, it's dynamic to see how much uh, sort of overlap there can be with things just like uh, awareness of pop culture or just like social anything. Is you know, it's just it, it, that definitely puts sort of uh, changes or adjustments to just regular life and how that's been over time in perspective. But, you know, even in certain cases where I had mentioned before when we were talking about before we started recording how because of the pandemic, there are certain things that are sort of behind academically. They're all clearly like so bright and understand so much yeah. when it's in the right context. And so with that, it would definitely be interesting to sort of uh, play around with that kind of concept like you described, you know, setting up those sorts of uh, examples or parameters or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's really I, great. I, I think one of the things that I heard, and I think that's important, uh, and, and, one, and, and going along with what Farrell's saying, um, and what you said, Michelle, you came up with something that had to have, have a discussion and then an agreement. And so once there, there is an agreement, then when it's like when your son comes home, he missed the curfew, he doesn't, you know, there's nothing to talk about. He hands the keys over because that's part of the contract. You have to do this or, that, or it has consequences. So really spelling out uh, the consequences, but there needs to me, there also needs to, well, I guess, the, the other side of the consequences are the privileges. Uh, you know, it's rights and privileges where you got these privileges. Yeah. You got the privilege to drive, the privilege to have a car, but in order to have that, then you have to have, uh, you have to do it responsibly. And to you, and according to this contract, it meant being uh, in on a certain time. And also there are probably other things in the, well, you said, he had to pay certain amount toward the, the car insurance uh, and, and things like that. So to me, what I think is important is that there's this give and take. You have a discussion 
so that then there's an opportunity for a, a real agreement. And then your son took it somewhere and had, had a review to say, oh, okay, should I sign this? I, I mean, that, that builds in him a decision. And so then he signed it and then everything uh, took place after that. So now when Pharaoh's in with, uh, with uh, the young people, uh, that's, that's an approach. That's because Pharaoh and I have talked in the past and, and what I hear you saying a lot, although you never said the word discipline, uh, there's some implication there. It's an, an inference. I'll infer that there has to be some discipline. You have to be mm -hmm. a disciplined. That's what responsibility is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just always coming from particularly bringing around young people. Like for me, I always come from training and development. Like how can they be trained and developed? Like coming from that place so that they can take on structures for fulfillment themselves and eventually duplicate that. Because if this is about generations of like training and development, it's not, I'm not doing anything for my grandchildren. I'm doing it for my great, 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 great grandchildren and then beyond. So this is a conversation that, you know, isn't just settled here. You know, like we give them tools so they can pass those tools on to the next generation. You know, I just see it critical that, you know, we take that on. And yeah. I, I, you know, I, and operating in the trenches, you know, I love that Farrell's in the trenches. He's like in the trenches. Cause you know, I know for myself, I've been out and I've done like, you know, like marches and, you know, we're, you know, we're doing whatever we need to do, you know, above the trenches. But getting down deep and having those conversations that are going to provide something that'll be transformational conversations is what I'm speaking of. You know, I've been involved myself. I've provided it for other people. And now it's time for our community to like, like step it up and have those kind of conversations. You know, and I'm clear that we have our struggles. We have those things that, are get, that get in the way of us performing and achieving. But it's time to huddle, you know, time to be in this big huddle that's going to, you know, make an impact and alter everything. Yeah, there, you know, uh, it, it's like the saying, it takes a village uh, to raise a child. And so that means that that village has to be cohesive. And uh, first, they have, they have to have participated in the discussion, the contract that says, we're going to participate in the raising of children. So, so there's, again, there's that, uh, there's that contract uh, that, I mean, whether you write it out or not, because if you've got a village and uh, there's children that are being raised and you've got 5% of the people that have made the contract to help raise the children, you got 95% who say, well, that's not my problem. <laughs> that, that's not my, uh, that's not where I'm going to put my awareness. And so, so to, 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 to coming into pulling in a community where we're being more cohesive is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you talked about discipline. That's part of what I talk about in my book too. There's a, there's a few chapters and um, it's discipline, responsibility, accountability, consistency, mentors, the discipline slash love balance, communication and the belief system, you know, and, and leaving a legacy. You know, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the belief system, like believing, 
I mean, because it's, it's so hard when, when life hits you and you got stuff you're dealing with, you know, you could easily get resigned. You could easily turn the cheek, you know, but I want to share something with you that, you know, for me, it, belief is all of it. It's, it's how you get your child through college. You know, it's, it's how you get your promotion at your job. It's how you maintain a relationship with your spouse or significant other. You know, you know, when your belief level is beyond what's in front of you, that, that's like, that's operating from a whole nother place. And, you know, take the case that you can have anything you want, you know, when you put your mind to it. And the question is, how willing are you to have what you want for yourself in your life and your king? I call the young boys of color kings. Like, what do you, you know, how bad do you want it? You know, we talked earlier about, you know, people maybe being lazy or people not wanting to be supported. And, you know, they're dealing with whatever they're dealing with. And, and going back to belief, you know, one thing I know is that once you commit, the universe begins to work on your behalf. You know, and I want to share something that happened that's a clear example you know, when Nick was a freshman in high school, you know, he was a standout athlete. And I'm reading this from my book. He was a standout athlete and had scholarship offers from every Division I university you can imagine. And during his high school days, he was breaking all kinds of records. And his school team, you know, they were a winning team. And I noticed his grades were not grades that were guaranteeing him a spot at a university. I talked to his coach on several occasions requesting that he have a talk you know, with Nick and discuss his grades versus him playing on the team. That never happened. I didn't pull him off the team and knew that wouldn't make a difference. He needed to, um, he needed to, um, it needed to be done by his coach. Seeing the coach's attention was more focused on the scoreboard. In October of next year, of his senior year, I called a meeting with his teachers and his coach. This for me was serious and Nick's future was at stake. The teachers were there, and as I expressed my concern, none of them seemed to think it was a big deal until I asked one of the teachers, if it was your son, would you have a concern? She quite obviously changed her tune. As the meeting wrapped up, with maybe two teachers left in the room, the coach walked in. It appeared he had a lack of concern and his mind was elsewhere. I was disappointed and had a brief conversation that went like this. I've been considering pulling Nick from the team and putting him into a military academy to prepare him academically for college. The coach immediately stood up straight with a look of uh, major concern and said, Miss Jenkins, I don't see the need for that. <laughs> you know, in that moment, I could clearly see that for him, Nick running the football was more important than his grades. What happened next was me having a conversation with Nick about attending a military academy. I presented it to him and what would you know make a difference and what we were dealing with in the outcome of him attending or not. And I gave him the choice. To my surprise, he agreed to attend. So Nick and I took the next step and arrived at Fork Union Military Academy in Virginia. We sat with the administrator and I had uh, his transcript and newspaper clippings in my hand since you know I knew there'd be scouts there coming to visit. And the administrator said to me, Ms. Jenkins, I'm only interested in the transcripts. I was elated. <laughs> we went on to talk and he said they had a waiting list that was full and couldn't add another student. After my insistence, he decided to have a private conversation with Nick. And mind you, Nick was 18 and in his senior year of high school and it was November. After he and Nick talked, they returned to the room. The administrator looked at me and said, Ms. Jenkins, it'd be an honor to have Nick attend Fork Union. 
he said he could put them on the list. I asked him if they had scholarship money available and he said, no, since it was November, they had given the money out already. I told him to go ahead, let's get them registered. By the way, I didn't have $15,000. Well, they wanted $15,000 a year for him to attend. You know, and I wanted him to attend for two years. So we uh, set up a payment for that January of that year, two months away. And I, like I said, I didn't have $30,000 just sitting in my account for this, but I did have, what I did have was drive to get it done, like no matter what. I left the office, went home, I prayed. I wrote Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, Reebok, Nike, pharmaceutical companies, lawyers and doctors in my area. I sent a hundred letters out sharing my story briefly and I inserted copies of the brochure for the military academy. I sent these letters off highly intending and expecting. About three weeks prior to the start of the semester, I get a call from the administrator at Fork Union. And this is how the conversation went. Ms. Jenkins, I want you to know that we're celebrating our 100th year anniversary. And our alumni have been very, very generous over the years. But never in the history of the school have we had the amount of money coming on behalf of one individual. We have over $30,000 that I have on behalf of your son to attend Fork Union. Now, you gotta know with all the praying and the letters and that expectation I talked about, I was not only surprised it came from, you know, one individual, but surprised that the person who sent it wanted to remain anonymous. And, you know, my point in sharing is, you know, it, it's to look at like critical actions to take, you know, and believe because I was waiting at the, I was waiting for this to happen. Like I, I wrote these letters and I was waiting for it to happen. And I'm inviting you to take this on with these young boys that you're with, like having them know that they know that they know the turnout before it even happens. Like coming from that belief, that level of belief, I mean, anything is possible and you don't have to know what it's gonna look like. You know, it could be unsurmountable to them, but you know, they don't have to know what it's gonna look like. You know, and I, I just have three recommendations. Take some form of action now you know, in an area that you see challenging. This is a challenge I give to, you know, individuals reading my book. And be bold and daring with your requests. People want to make a difference. People want to support what, you know, you're up to. And believe and not be concerned about the outcome or what the outcome's going to look like. Not being worried about who, what, why, when. You know, I just wrote letters. With a, I was highly intending and $30,000 showed up. And it just made the biggest difference and made the biggest impact. So, so, so I, of, of course, I love that story um, because uh, you're talking about belief. And when you believe something, you move on it. And, but there's two things. You, you believe you took action, but you took action fully expecting that you, that, that what you were taking action toward or what you were believing would, was gonna materialize. And I think without, you gotta have all of those. You've gotta, you gotta be clear. Like, I think you have to know what you want. You have to be, you know, you have to put, you have to energetically with the, all the energy that you have in your body, put that feeling out there into the universe 
And so that's the belief you're putting it out there, but you took action. You wrote letters. It could be whatever. It's like, if I'm, if I'm heading up uh, an organization, racial justice collaborative and, and, and we need whatever we need, then I need to take action. The action has to be whatever. It's gotta be a big concerted action, but it also, you must expect that you're gonna get it. Because yes. if you are putting out this action at the same time you're saying to yourself, well, let's see, what else can I do? Because that isn't gonna happen. You know, or, you know, or, and it's small things. We don't even know that we're doing it. It's like, there's something inside of you that keeps holding you back that says, why should you get that? Oh, I don't do, what makes me think I can have this? Why, why would my kid get this? And so there's, it's, and that's all of those external, that's your, yeah. all the generations of things that have happened before you that give, that's where you are. You've got to have, you've got all these competing things inside. Mm -hmm. That's really, really great to point to that because it is not being concerned about how or what it's going to look like. And you know, it's the building up of a muscle of belief. You start believing and causing in your life, things start happening. And then there's, then there's the next thing. You know, I had an incident yeah. happen. I had it. Well, first of all, before I go into that, Pharaoh, is there anything you want to say about that? And what we just, what I just shared and read and, you know, what Diane just said? Well, I mean, that was an incredibly moving story. That's the sort of thing that I can see as, uh, obviously, this is all sort of stuff that's relevant to a book that you wrote, but I was just going to say, it's, it feels very cinematic in my, uh, in my mind's eye. So that all that lines up. And yeah, that's, it's definitely part of it that seemed particularly interesting to me was how you were talking about all of the like coaching staff and the teachers and the school and how it was very clear how much they valued his uh, your son's athleticism over his academics. Obviously, being a great athlete is a great thing, but it shouldn't be at the detriment of other things. So it's very interesting how that was so weighed in their minds. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for picking that up, picking up on that. Because, yeah, that was a time. There was a whole lot more involved with that. But, yeah, you know, you could clearly see where the focus was. And, you know, us as parents and like yourself, you as a mentor and Diane, her as like a, an influencer, it's like it's, it's up to us to like, you know, step in and say how it's going to go and have our eye like on the prize of all of it. Let me ask, let me ask Farrell a follow-up uh, question. And I want to point out to everybody in the audience or anybody who ever sees this or hears this, what Michelle just did, that was, don't overlook that. That was important. Here I am, we're close in generation. We, and we're used to talking about whatever, everything. But Michelle stepped back from what we were talking about and she brought Farrell in that discussion. So now he's now he's involved. So just remember that. Uh, bring bring in these young black people, or whoever the people are. Bring them in. Hear the hear what they because when they talk, when you talk, it con, it makes more concrete the feeling inside that you can do something because you just said it. So let me ask Farrell. Now, when, because I know that, uh, that Farrell's working, and Michelle knows too, that, that Farrell's working with uh, young uh, Black boys that, and they may be very, uh, 
uh, brilliant as Farrell said, but they have missed out on two years of school and they're not in the group of kids who have had a lot of support to, to continue their education in spite of the pandemic. So Farrell, as a mentor and as a teacher of these young people listening to Michelle's suggestions and on discipline and mentorship and do, how do you see, what might you do? Uh, what process might you undertake with those young people that, could, that you think would be helpful from what you've just heard? Well, that is a complicated question and a complicated answer to said question. I mean, it's mostly just about trying to put in academics when you can, you know, because they've missed so much time, but there's only so much time in the day. So it's not as though you can just, you know, hour per hour, you know, replace every amount of time that they lost because the, the clock just doesn't work that way. And also the attention span of children doesn't work that way, nor should it. So it is really about just trying to do as much as you can in that regard, trying to make, you know, ELA palatable by putting it into interesting exercises, trying to make, uh, you know, practice with math the same way. So it's, it's about doing what you can when you can and in ways that are almost uh, stealthed into their, into their, uh, their days and their cycles, I guess. What about um, the, the idea that, uh, remember that contract uh, that she created with her son? Uh, is there, are there times when you see things the way they're going in your, uh, in, your, in your classes where bringing people together to say, okay, you wanna do this, let's work out a deal or let's, let's figure this out and then have them participate in it so that then when they come to an agreement on it, then, then you can move from that agreement. Yeah, I definitely think so. Especially that, that falls in line with what I was saying before, because in the right context, that is a contract by definition, but in the right context, you can also consider it gamifying a process. And that's another way of making it more interesting yeah. and uh, making it more you know, palatable to them, like I was saying. Yeah. So very can much. I put something in? Uh, can I put something in, Farrell? I love what you said about context, because I was just going to speak to that, because like you said, you have a time limit that you're working on, and they've missed so much already. You can only do but so much to get them caught up. But a place you can operate from is context, because context is decisive. Like having them say who they are, who they are in the world. Ten-year-olds, listen, imagine being 10 years old right now and dealing with that. It's got to be fun. It's got to be something that's created that's going to be fun for them. Like finding out who they are, like who are you? And they can have fun with that. You know, like I am being, I'm, I'm like the incredible, miraculous, you know, authentic, you know, whatever it is they say. I mean, it could be a superhero, whatever it is, but have that be the context that they operate from with whatever they do. Because being Superman, I'm using that as an example from my era, like being Superman and doing math is different than being Superman, being Walik. It might be different for them. It might just like his con like shifting the context of who they say they are in the world. And they walk around inside of that. It's like they create something new now to live into. And they could put that with everything that they're engaging in, whether it be math, whether it be 
um, history, whatever subject it is, or whatever they're doing, being at home with their parents, and then reminding them that, like, are you present to your context, or whatever you want to call it, you know, to have it be fun, but, you know, just bringing that, since you're on a limited time frame, but if you get their minds, like, altered and transformed with a different thinking, they could bring it any place. They'd have it. Yeah, to, to, it's, it's the use of the imagination uh, to, to and, and everybody has some kind of hero, something that they look up to, but, and to see themselves as heroic. Yeah, and engage with them. Yeah. When they say who they are, you can ask them, what's that like being Superman? What's that like? And they'll start telling, well, you know, I, I'm fearless. Like they'll, they'll start telling you. And then they start speaking it and it gives them power. It'll give them power. You have all these little 10 years running around having results around you. Like you're like, what in the world? How'd that happen? You know, it's fun. I mean, it's gotta be fun for them. You know, this, this is bringing up another topic which is uh, self-generation. So, so we're talking about kids that uh, right now would just say the nine, 10 year olds that, that are in the places where we have some input. What about the kids that they're not in those places? What, so what, what, are, what, is this, what does the village do with the kids? How does the village impact uh, the children that are not with, within the scope of of our discipline. <laughs> what is it? And I'm thinking about the the uh, the violence on the streets. Uh, yeah. So what? How do we? What? How do we look at that? Yeah. You know, I say, like I said earlier, you know, we have individuals that are marching. You know, they're protesting. You know, they're they're changing laws. They're doing a lot, like above the surface. But us in the trenches, the three of us, we're in the trenches. And it's it's gonna take those intimate, sit down, hold your hand conversations. And it, it's not overnight. It's not one conversation. It's building a muscle of consistently generating, interacting, asking questions, being with. That's the missing. I see that as a missing. We've been doing a lot for a whole lot of years, you know, and we're we're we've had some movement, but not a whole lot of movement. And I say that the, the missing is getting in the trenches and having these transformational conversations that are going to alter the mindset of young people. You know, it's up to us to bring that. You know, we brought it to a degree, but not to like a degree of really transforming something. And I, and I hear what you're saying. There's some stuff going on out in the world. You know, young people are dealing with killing and guns and, and all that. You know, they need it more than anybody to be sat down and, and, and talk to and, and listen to. And I don't mean listen to them like, you know, listening to everything wrong, but listening to like their greatness, like having them speak and what they say is gold. You know, having to be acknowledged and having to be respected. You know, that's what it's gonna take. I, I, you know, no matter where you are, that's like a human want and a human need. And it's the thing that's gonna sustain us. You know, empowering each other in dialogue. So yeah, I, so now what I hear you saying, and I can see this, you're saying that um, that I mean we're we're all doing a lot of stuff. 
but mainly from around the periphery, you know, and so where the work is, it's at really, it's at the grassroots. So at the place where the young people and all, and people, it's not just young people. I mean, it's older people, it's parents who have young kids that don't know, don't know. And, or, or they think they know, or things aren't going well. So, but some of us have to go in and start to listen and then communicate. Yeah. And, and, and it's not an overnight, so don't have any expectations. You're going to do yeah. that just one time. Yeah. This is a whole new movement. This is a whole Yes, new yes, it is. And, you know, my intention, and I could hear clearly that you both have it as well, you know, is to like be on the inside of all of this and really like create a whole new paradigm where there's like power and there's freedom and there's self-expression because that's a missing too for our young people. They're not heard, they, they can't be expressed. You know, and in turn with us taking this on, collaborating inside of like a whole new paradigm, you know, I see the transformation of like the educational system, the judicial system, I see it altering, you know, what public health looks like for us and, you know, prison reform, like strategic, just strategically turning around like that whole, like all of it will be impacted, you know, by us going like in the trenches and staying in the trenches and bringing the level of intentionality in the trenches, you know, the level of intentionality that I was bringing to my son going to college, that, that was like serious intentionality and the intentionality that my son is bringing where he is right now that's like some serious intentionality. Like it's like we talked about believing, like it's a done deal. It's, it's, it's happening because you say so. You, you know, being a bulldog about it, like it's gonna happen because we say it's gonna happen. All this transformation and this new paradigm is because of us. Because we, you know, waiting for somebody to get this done, it ain't gonna happen because it hasn't happened. You know, we were doing civil rights back in the 60s, you know, in, in, in the 70s. And it's, it's, it's a continuous process. I say like, we go deep. We go deep down in the trenches and, and, and that, see what our boys of color. That is definitely, I hear that. That That is going deep. Also, though, I want to hear, for everybody to hear what you just said, because w- what you didn't say was you go in and you start preaching to people and telling them where they're wrong. What you said was you go in and you find out where they're great. What, you listen, you hear their greatness and you amplify that and you and you give that back to them until everybody has the, it's about expectation. And so, yes, a new movement, a movement Diane, of what? Thank you for recreating me. You just recreated everything I just said, like from my mouth to your head, to your lips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Pharaoh, what do you, what do you, so what do you think, Farrell? How does that I, feel to you? I, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's definitely a powerful thing to focus on, you know, building up and, uh, you know, uh, embellishing those, uh, those already great traits. That's really important. It's, I think, uh, especially when you're dealing with younger people, it's very common and it is uh can be very devastating to constantly uh face the opposite and you can definitely improve and uh build upon really important things by uh building up on those great qualities like you said 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, there's so much more I want to talk about. You know, thank you, Farrell. Thank you. You're a brilliant young man. Thank you. Yes, you are. Yeah. 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 What he what he said and what you said, Michelle, was you're you go you go in, you hear, you get a feeling for. So that means you have to quiet your own mind and thinking and be open. So let's talk about being open to hearing and experiencing opposing points of view. So when you're working with young people, you go in, we're 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 hearing a lot of things. And so how do how do you, Michelle, how do you how do you think about that? Just being open. Yeah, yeah like being open to a, a conversations, you know, with the opposing point of view. That's the only way that we're gonna all and, and I'm speaking in, I'm speaking even bigger than the conversation of our young boys of color. I'm speaking of like globally now. You know, to be in a conversation, you know, with someone with an opposing point of view and being open to that is the only way we're going to come together. For you to listen to me and for me to listen to you, I may not agree with everything you're saying, but I'm listening to you. I'm listening to your point of view. And it's your point of view, you know, and not judging your point of view. You know, I had an opportunity and it was a great demonstration for myself to be in a, I was invited to be part of a, a Zoom book reading. And the title of the book was called Me and White Supremacy. And I happened to be the only um, woman of person of color in this group. And I knew that going in. And I knew it was an opportunity to be open to a, a, the opposing point of view. You know, there were people in there that had some really intense conversations where you either left the scene or you were open <laughs> to be in dialogue about it, right? And for me, it was practice for me to be on a larger platform, you know, to be there and be with that. But my point is that, you know, when you can listen to someone and be in their world with what they're dealing with and they can do the same with you, something happens, something gets altered. You know, you actually come together in a way that you don't expect. Most people are not willing to do that. They're not willing to have those type of conversations. They can be confronting conversations too. You know, I live in a, a neighborhood where it's um, it's a it's a mixed neighborhood, right? A little bit of everybody here. And I walk five miles a day. Well, not every day, mostly. But um, I noticed walking up and down the street that you know nobody speaks and no one says anything. And I, I said, you know, I'm going to take on speaking to everybody I see when I walk up and down my block. And I started that process and some people didn't speak back or some people had a different kind of, you know, whatever. But I wasn't, I was, wasn't taking it personal, right? You know, I'm really out here like opposing points of view. People may have all kinds of views about this black woman walking up and down the street. But I began to speak to people and I challenged a group of people I, that I'm in a, 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 a course with to take it on as well. But what I did was started speaking to everyone Within two weeks, they were speaking to me first, yelling across the street, calling my name out, speaking to me first. Then they were talking about having a, a block party, like, you know, next year. Like, and my point is that it's, it may be uncomfortable to go in to a situation where there may be an opposing point of view, but to be open to it is different. Like to be open to have that dialogue. And I, I can tell you, we just spent a good hour about me being in that, um, that uh, book reading group I could, I could spend probably an hour about what happened in that group and the results that came out of it. But I know that we're, we're going to be wrapping up soon. Is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have about um, eight minutes. To okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, unless you both want to say something, I can share one thing that, you know, came out of that. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, what I noticed is a lot of the people in the group were oblivious to what it's like for a person of color to be out in the world. Like what we deal with every day, and y'all know what I'm talking about, supermarkets and whatever. You know, you see. And um, they got present to what it was like, you know, in my sharing. And what started happening was they began to notice things that they didn't notice. This was a, a seven-week um, Zoom conversation. They were coming back to the call, noticing things that they hadn't noticed before. And it was simply because of dialogue. And it was simply because of me being open to have conversation with people from an opposing point of view. And what they noticed were simple things, like maybe being in um, Target and they're on their way out you know, the door. And one gentleman said he noticed it was a woman walking out. She had a number of bags with her and she had her kids with her. And the gentleman at the door asked her for her receipt. And he was right behind her and with his bags. He's Caucasian. And he's walking, he walks out, walks to the door and the guy just says to him, go ahead, you know, just let's, let's him go right on out. And he, he said he had never really noticed that before. Like their, their awareness on what people were saying shifted. And he said he noticed it. And I, I you know, he shared he noticed it. But I, and I said to him, what did you, what did you say? What did you do? <laughs> and he um, realized that that's a missing, that he didn't say anything. Like say something when you notice something. Like management could have been in dialogue about that. Okay, so there, there is the action. Uh, that so what you just described, whether you're talking about the uh, international group uh, where you're the only uh, black woman, maybe the only woman of color, but it's most clearly the only black woman, or you're talking about. Uh, uh, into a, 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 a place where you can find uh, young black kids who, I don't know where these places are, but there are places that where you can be in dialogue. So those are two different types of places, but the same process, it works because you had to listen, you, if you listen to people, what, which, wherever they are along the spectrum, if you listen to them, you'll hear something that, that allows you to get a feel for them as a, as a person. And so the same thing with the young, young Black people. And so with the young Black people, you hear where they could, their greatness is in there, wanting to come out. And with the, and with the other, with the, with the white people, you're, you're hearing some opening and so but you're there you're open you're willing you're you're there you're you're sharing and you're listening and through that process or also the one where you say hello on the street that's what is going to make the change but but you've got to do you've got to take some action and that's what you suggested to the man. yeah yeah with everything it opens something up extraordinary it really does it brings people together you know there's a um a freedom and a calmness and a like a connectedness that wasn't going to happen 
that's now available. So Michelle, while we still have time, I know that your do you your book is uh, coming out on the fifteenth. Yeah. And you've okay. got a couple of uh, book giveaways. I do. You, I want to share that too. Share that. Share that. Yes. And thank you everyone for viewing. Yes. Yeah, so my book launch date is September 15th. And um, I want to share with you how you can um, actually order my book. So first I'll talk about the giveaway. Those, that's the fun thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give away seven copies of my book to the first seven individuals that email me after this uh, broadcast. And I'm gonna give you the email address. Okay, it's mob, M-O-B-B, in action, Mothers of Black Boys, mob, M-O-B-B, in action, at gmail.com. And what you wanna put in the subject line is book giveaway. So that'll be seven books. And I have a surprise for the 8th and 9th and 10th and the other people as well. So don't hesitate to email. And if you want to purchase my book, you can um, actually email the same email address, mobinaction uh, at gmail.com. <clears throat> and in the um, subject line, you want to put purchase my book. And once the book is launched on September 15th, I'll send you a link to Amazon and you can purchase the book. And you'll get the discount too for the book, which will be $23.99 as a discounted price. And um, also, I want to invite each and every one of you, and you can, you'll find out uh, more um, for an upcoming course that I'm having. It's called Unleashing the Brilliance. Unleashing the Brilliance. And it's scheduled for August 28th, and it's going to be from 3 to 4.30. And if you're interested in attending, you know, please drop me an email. And in the subject line, uh, you can just indicate attend the course attend course and the cost is $99 for listeners of this broadcast and that's what I wanted to share that's the same uh email address m-o-b-b-i-n-a-c-t-i-o-n at gmail.com that's correct thank you for saying it out loud Diane yeah 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 because sometimes you know yeah so so this way we we know so there are three opportunities you can Enter the book giveaway. You can probably do all of those. You can enter the book giveaway with once by putting in a book giveaway in the subject line. The same email address, you can uh, attend the course Unleashing the Brilliance. And that you, you do that by just uh, saying attend course in the subject line. And then I'm assuming you're going to send them some kind of link. Yes, I'll send them a link once I get their email, okay. you know, whatever they you know request. And Farrell, I'll give you a scholarship if you want to attend to attend. So you'll need a scholarship. Oh, that's okay. so nice. And I'll, have a book, I'll have a book for you too. <laughs> Thank you. That, that is so nice. And then the last thing, if people want to purchase the book, the same email address, M-O-B-B-I-N-A-C-T-I-O-N at gmail.com, uh, book purchase. Say that. And then you'll get uh, you'll get a link. So right to Amazon, you know, yeah, like to Amazon. Amazon, and and the book is launching on September, and you're going to get a discount. So right. So and I, the book is, is Mob in Action. M O B B stands for Mothers of Black Boys. So it's Mob in Action, and the subtitle is Unleashing the Brilliance of Boys of Color. 
just like the one we have right here with us today. <laughs> Brilliant, Farrah. Thank you. That's great. So I, I have one question as we, uh, I've thought about this question. Um, I, I even asked Farrah about this question and that is, uh, with the title of the book is Mothers of Black Boys in Action, but then you switch over and you say boys of color. Now, yeah. well, now, what does that mean to you? Why did you do that? You know, I thought about that there are boys of colors that aren't necessarily maybe brown or, or I mean, they could be. I mean, Indian could be a boy of color, you know? So there's the Mexican could be a boy of color. You know, my niche is African-American boys, boys of color, you know, brown and black boys. And I didn't want to exclude any, any brown boys. So I just, I added that. So do you think that uh, there's a, there are things that uh, mothers of, of boys of color, not necessarily African-American or black, that they will get the same benefits? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I had the opportunity to read my book to a couple of different groups of people. And um, they they purchased the book. You know, I've had like almost 80 books that have been purchased already, like I said. And, um, and I was reading it and it was to a Caucasian group. And one lady said, I've got to get that book for my daughter. Her, her son needs that. Like, you know, so it applies to anybody. It's, it's yeah. yeah. you know, I just had my niche, but um, yeah, it applies to anybody. Anybody could read this book and get immense value and, and tools to take away, you know? and principles to use in their life and have it forever. Yes, yeah. And I, I, I so I just wanna say one final thing and that is that uh, I don't want people to forget about another thing you said, which is that once you decide to do something and you take action toward that, that the universe and all the energy, all the power of the universe will come in and push you and bring you what you need. But what yes. you, you've got to have two things. You've got to know what you want and then you've got to take action. It's not yes. good enough to just know what you want and it's not good enough to just take action in the abstract. You got to put those two things together. And believe, that's right. And believe. You got to believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's because and even, even if you don't see it, yes, or any possibility of it, like you didn't see, you had no clue that somebody was going to respond to your letter and send that $30,000 for your son. But you, you, you believe you trusted, you believe there's a trust that's involved too. Yeah. And, and inside of action, when I posted the story about my son and all these women responded, that's why I'm here with you now and Pharaoh. Yeah, and this believe it or not, this only happened like two and a half months ago. Oh, wow, this is good. This is good. So it doesn't have to take for the rest of your life to get. To no, it doesn't. <laughs> okay, well, okay, we're at the end of our time. I, I thank you, Farrell. Would you like to end up saying anything here? I I think that this book is fantastic. I think this is a very important topic. Uh, especially for my context as uh, as uh, you know, working in the field of education and working with you know young men and women of color, you know young boys and girls. I mean, and th these are universally applicable things, they, and they're very important things, especially in this time in which this demographic is so 
severely affected by circumstance. So it's very important. Mm. Yeah. Yes, Farrell. And Michelle, go ahead. You can finish this up. Oh, you know, first of all, I just want to thank you, Diane, for inviting me. You know, this has been extraordinary. It's my passion. I, I, I speak it, live it, breathe it, eat it. I'm writing it right now. You know, so I get to unleash and give birth to something that's been growing inside of me for 50 years. Like I actually get to like have it out in the universe and it's a world and impact lives. And that, that means everything to me, like everything. Yeah. You know, to, to have Farrell here with us, it's like perfect. You know, it just really made the biggest difference for me. So thank you so much for being with us, Farrell. Yeah, of course. So thank you. Um, I will uh, stop now the Facebook Live. Bye, everybody. We will see you again. Thank you, Michelle. We want you to come back. We got more to talk about. Oh, yeah. And uh, so ending the Facebook Live and stop.